Hello and welcome to Cherry Jam. This is episode 12, I think, uh, of season two. And uh, again, the full gang, we've got Jurass Brooks, James Eastwood, Lawrence Landry and Jim Hardy. Uh, now, as we uh, said last week at the end, because it's got a little bit depressing and a little bit bleak, uh, we decided to go off script a little bit. Um, and also, there's no rugby to talk about, which is useful. Um, so we've, we've asked you guys who do listen, you four or five people, uh, to come up with some ideas or things you wanted us to talk about and um thank you you sent some interesting stuff in and the first thing that was sent in which was from on shed web actually was a glossy d on shed web if you're listening thank you very much um what was our what would be our favorite ground other than king's home uh, and they also sort of reference a thing of potentially if you could combine all the different grounds together uh, to make a perfect ground what would it be well there's no point about that because king's home is a perfect ground but uh, what's our favourite ground other than King's Zone is the best one to go with. Who would like to go first on that particular topic? Snowy has put his hand up, which is interesting. Right. So, it's funny, it's funny one ground, isn't it? Because you tend to associate it with the fans and the atmosphere and stuff. So, park park that to one side. <laughs> I, think, I, I think probably my favourite away ground is Franklin's Gardens. Okay. So I, think, I kind of think what stadium, if you filled it with Gloucester fans, would be an awesome stadium. Um, now I've always thought I don't like really big stadiums because they do feel a bit soulless. You feel a bit away from the pitch. There's lots of bad views. But Franklin's Gardens has got that good combination of like standing area along the side of the pitch yeah. and a really like nice all encompassing seating area. And it just feels like the right size. Um, so that's my pick. OK, I mean, I, 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 I think it's important, as you said, to park the fans because Northampton fans, my experience when I've ever been to Franklin Gardens, are arseholes. So <laughs> we'll park them. But I agree, it's a great ground. Allegedly. Alleged, no, it's not allegedly. They definitely are. Um, I see East Midlands listeners gone, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> One no, of them. All of them, yeah, all three of them. Uh, no, but I do, I do agree with you. So the, 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 um, uh, the ground is brilliant. I, I really enjoy going to Franklin's Gardens as a ground. Um, Jim, what was yours? Um, well, I was thinking Franklin's Gardens as well because I just like the fact that it's got that, um, as as Snowy mentioned, the terracing uh, along uh, along the length of the pitch, um, and it's sectioned as well, so you don't have to get there ridiculously early. Obviously, you can't get was it C block the middle one? Yeah, uh, that's season ticket holders only. But um, I've always tended to go D. I think it is, um, which is kind of. 22 to 10 meter line or thereabouts um and you don't have to get there ridiculous o'clock to sort of get your spot which is always nice um but if i was going to go for another one i was thinking the original toman park so before they made it that bigger seater stadium um, yeah when it was a bit more old school that was um something to behold but then that was probably just because of the lemmings that were the local supporters. <laughs> the yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's quite different, isn't it? Trying to think of a stadium with gloss that would have Gloucester supporters in rather than um, their own supporters. I mean, somewhere beautiful, like the big stadiums you get in, uh, in France, you know, if we could have that kind of number of fans, you know, 30,000 or something, then that would be, Really, something special, you know, Perpignan or um, Clermont, that sort of, that sort of stadium. Mm. Loz? without the tram uh, from fucking Leon, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll come onto the tram from Leon in a bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. We'll definitely come onto um, that in a bit. Go on then, Loz. 
Probably again. I know it's boring, but the same Northamptons. I like the that been, I just like the way they developed it. It developed mm-hmm. it into a really nice stadium, but also a good stadium for atmosphere as well. Um, it, you know, you got other stadiums which look great, but you haven't necessarily got the atmosphere. Well, which we don't go to anymore, partly because you can't imagine it with Gloucester fans because we used to fill it before they explained their uh, magic money tree down the back of the sofa. Um, was a memorial stadium. No, Bristol. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it was a bit of a crappy stadium, but you could picture it full of Gloucester supporters because we'd take about four or five thousand down with it. I remember it coming across the PA. Did thank you for your um, custom. You get free tickets for next week because the fact that we got they did, exceeded their target of how many people uh, supporters they wanted in in the stadium to get money off their tickets for next week. I think it was once. It was because there was about four thousand of us staying there. <laughs> I always remember it being freezing at the Memorial Stadium. For some reason, every time I'd go and yeah. watch Gloucester away, I'd be freezing my balls off. It was quite open, though. I think, unless I mean, I, I, I'm I never went in the uh, terrace behind the goal behind the posts um, at the far end. So I would always go in the main stand and the, the old grandstand, and that was cold because the wind would just come through. And because it's quite high up, actually. Uh, where yeah. the memorial ground is, yeah, quite it's right on top of um, the Gloucester Road, isn't it? It's yeah. very exposed yeah. out there. Uh, well, well, cold, you say about being cold, Christ, the coldest I've ever been at a game was stood on the North Terrace at bloody Toman Park before they redeveloped it for this, not the miracle match the year after. My uh, god, was it ever cold that day? Yeah, it was cold there. I was there for that one as well, Lars. Um, uh, Russ, um. <laughs> English grounds, I quite like Headingley, actually. I've, you know, a couple of good games up there. Fans are pretty decent as well. Um, I've quite like that. Um, I think abroad, it's funny, Snowy mentions all the uh, well-developed big French stadiums. I quite like La Rochelle's grounds. I thought there was a, when we went, <clears throat> there was a hell of an atmosphere there. Um, good-natured bunch. is quite a nice stadium, actually. Um yeah. Yeah, I think it's quite, I'm boring because everyone's picked all the fucking stadiums I was going to pick. Well, basically. no, that's fair enough. So I mean, I, I, I do like Franklin's guns. I do agree. But I mean, to be fair, uh, Russ, that Laura Shell ground was, um, it, it was a nice ground, but it was, it was, um, it's changed even since we went. It's now, it's yeah. now more, uh, more like the Quinn's. Oh, no, game. no, I know. I, I was thinking about this and the other ones I quite like. So Parky Scarlet's, but I haven't been there till since it's been done up. But again, I liked it, but probably because in the old in the old days it was very like King's Home, basically. You know, a similar sort of design, good Stratty. atmosphere. They're Stratty, sorry, yeah. Um uh, I quite like Rodney Parade, but that's mainly because Jim pissed the locals off there. But for the same <laughs> reason, it's just an old-fashioned. It's an old-fashioned stadium, really. I quite like those. I, I kind of agree with Snowy. A lot of the big stadiums, it, it doesn't feel like you're watching a rugby match there. It just feels, you know, I like those ones where you're kind of right on top of the ground a little, on the pitch a bit. Just you get that atmosphere a bit more. Yeah, I have to say, one I did like was a zebra when we went over there, and it was Richard Hibbard's birthday, and we were singing happy birthday to him, because the pit, the ground was so small, there were none of their supporters in there, and of course, it was a typical European trip, so Gloucester took quite a few over there, and we basically just, once we started making a noise, that was it, all you could hear was Gloucester's up king like a home match, that was quite fun. Yeah, it actually, that was referenced on um, uh, on Twitter as well. I think uh, Caroline Phillips um, sent sent that that uh, in, and I know you liked it, Lars. And I think that I didn't go to that game. That was one of the ones you you, you were over in Italy uh, with your family, your your dad and friends. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, that was brilliant. Um, the other yeah. one, so from my point of view, Straddy, um, Straddy, I went to Straddy a couple of times, once watching Gloucester um, uh, when we won down there. And I also went a couple of times when I was at university down in Swansea. Um, and, and it was a brilliant ground. I, I thought it was a fantastic place to watch rugby. Um, and again, similar to Gloucester, you know, the atmosphere was was electric, particularly in the, uh, in, in the floodlights. Um, Franklin's Gardens, I agree, was good. Um, I like the Memorial Ground as a ground that was quite fun to, to watch normally because we used to win. I, I have to be honest, my favourite going back years, and again, you can't, we don't play there anymore, um, was um, Hayward Road. Yes. Uh, the old sail ground. Yeah. Um, it was a compact ground. They had that shed going along the one side and also the best fishing ships you could have anywhere in the country, I thought. Um, now, the, the second part of the uh, the uh, thing that came in from guys, uh, thank you very much again, was um, related to funny moments watching Gloss. Now, this could probably take quite a while and it's going to probably encompass a few things um, in terms of best one-off chants we'd heard, um, and various things. I know Snowy again has got some interesting ideas on this one, so we'll go with funny moments. Then we'll we'll take yours to start off with. But my favourite funny moment, uh, I had I had a chant and a separate funny moment. But my favourite funny moment at King's Home was the great balloon release. <laughs> so, so, so I don't. I assume everyone's familiar with this, but I'll tell the story yeah. anyway. So before environmentalism became a thing. You'd often have competitions where you would basically pay to attach your name to a balloon, a helium balloon, and they'd release these helium balloons. And whichever balloon travels the furthest, if a farmer finds it in a field, they report back where it was found. And Normally embedded balloon, in a cow, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> whoever's balloon has travelled the furthest then wins the big grand prize. So this balloon release had been promoted for a few weeks before the game. And there must have been I'd, going on a thousand balloons, I would have said. So the method, I think the it release... was. Snowy, I think it was more. I think it was specifically. I think it was specifically um, the the uh, uh, the founding of Gloucester's uh, eighteen seventy three. I believe. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think it was one thousand eight hundred twenty five years. Or so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so, so the method of release for these blues <laughs> just before the start of the game was basically two giant nets okay that, that hold all of these balloons and the idea being that when they say go they hold one end of this net the balloons all release out and everyone goes "Ooh!" as they float into the sky and you hope your balloon goes the furthest so the ground starts the countdown two one release and they let go of this net so i don't think they're supposed to let go of the net and the entire net full of balloons just goes up in one completely sealed <laughs> takes off not a single balloon flies out separately from the net <laughs> and i i still i never saw a picture of which fat farmer's field that thousand balloons landed in i don't think it's landed yet <laughs> but, i think it's currently due to landing mars isn't it but, but the laughter that filled the ground followed by enti entire ground chants of you don't know what you're doing <laughs> yes. do, you know yeah. do you know what's really bad I, I, so my dad I didn't actually for, I can't for the love of life of me remember why I didn't go to that game um, <laughs> I can't I genuinely can't remember I think I might have been on like a, a French exchange or a German exchange or something like that but my oh. dad similar to this my dad told me the story uh, he rang me up specifically he didn't care about the game I think we won and he just specifically to tell me about the story and he couldn't get through the story <laughs> 
he was laughing and crying, laughing so much. I mean, it was one of, I mean, yeah. And everyone I know who talks about it, it's just, just listening to just hearing about it is hysterical. It's oh, one of dear. the funniest things ever. God, thanks. <laughs> no, that, was, that was a good one. I like that one. Anyone else? Come on. It was, I, I remember during that game, people were still laughing all the way through the game and at the end as well. <laughs> just, oh, I, I remember <laughs> that's I completely... That's Sorry, probably no. the funniest. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's probably the funniest thing that's ever happened, David. To be honest, not even the the, the uh, not even Gareth Barber's crossbar cross challenge that he had. Um, good, well, that's what that... the balloons on the free. Well, that that was then, more was... bordering on the absurd than that, right? <laughs> funny like the balloons, though, wasn't it? And it oh, did help yeah. that we all knew Barber. Yeah, well, it was kind of like the health and safety exec for the club. Please look the other way because we have <laughs> yeah. a grounds person. Driving a tractor, and then he's now stood on top of said tractor, reaffixing the crossbar after the most ridiculous half-time game ever, ever developed. That clearly was going to result in total failure. Yeah, also, the the post at one point, so it was just move out slightly. They were literally, yeah, they were literally trying. Like someone was like kicking the bottom of the post, like accidentally make it go off. Shit. Yeah, it was a rugby ball the size of a small car. <laughs> they were trying to get over, and it was like you're not talking, you not haven't got the Harlem Globetrotters trying to do it. You've got a bunch of random pissheads from the shed, and you know, they struggle to walk in a straight line to the posts, let alone work as a team. It to was get this thing what was over. I think what was funny about it was you could see it coming. I wasn't at the game, but they were showing it just before the game um, was actually due to start on telly. And it was the slowest rolling of a ball, but you could see it coming. You're like, that's that's not going to clear the post, you know, because there's people pushing in all directions. You could just see it. And I, I'm sure it was Ben Kay and Austin Healy. I don't think they've ever had so much fun commentating, but they're all, oh, this looks ropey. They were literally talking about the team selection. And I think even they, you could see they were distracted watching this. It was I, just bizarre. Is, I, I, don't I think do think we should just well, draw this story out because Gareth <laughs> listens. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. it at all. Again, it's one of those fair. moments that just surpasses the game. Yeah, it was uh, just a fantastic feat of the back, you know, the backroom staff at Gloucester that they managed to get the crossbar on in relatively quick time. Yeah, it was only about um, 15 minutes, if my memory serves me right. Maybe the, the kickoff was only very marginally delayed, wasn't it? Because um, it was yeah. on Sky, so there was obviously a little bit of a rush. I think if it hadn't been televised, they'd have probably taken their time and maybe got a ladder or something slightly safer. It was very Gloucester though, wasn't it? Bring out the tractor, get Barmer off on it with his with his yeah. rear end showing yeah. above his trousers. <laughs> what, do you know what? Do you know what? The thing is, there's been a few. There's been a few incidents, and, and I'll, I'll come to Los now. There's been a few incidents of just utter, utter amateurism. Just, but not 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 in a nasty way. Just in a wonderful, like no one has a clue what they're doing. At there's the. I remember going to watch Gloucester played Newcastle in a in a game and it was foggy to the point that you couldn't it was foggy before the game kicked off Just before christmas oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and do you remember yeah. you could not see 2005 that was when my christmas day you couldn't see yeah, could, it was hysterical you couldn't see the pitch before the warm you couldn't see the other side of the pitch before the warm up and it just got worse and worse and worse and then they went uh yeah it's called off <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I remember that one quite well which is surprised given how drunk I was but um, I was about to say the same I was I pitched up in the shed 
not not late because um, my Christmas dinner was a sort of brunch thing, so it wasn't too bad. But when I got there, I had um, I, I'd been tipped off here a couple of weeks prior by some uh, far. Foresters, they used to come up from Cineford to watch a game every week. That they were bringing their homebrew um, cider with them. That they had a <laughs> special Christmas batch, which was basically laced with rum. Um, they said, make sure you get a pint before you come in, so you've got a glass to be able to have some of this homebrew with. Oh, brilliant. Great stuff. Anyway, got there. But of course, it's a bit foggy, more than a bit foggy. It's not going on. And as it got close to the game, before they called it off, it was just sort of a murmur around the crowd. And I think drunken Lawrence said it'd be a good idea to start singing Fog on the Tide is all mine or mine at that stage. <laughs> at which point that r- rumbled around the, the uh, shed for a bit, but not very, very much, mostly just from me singing. And I think they let me do it on my own mostly. Um, and then <laughs> as, we walked around, as we walked around the, the, the uh, pitch when it was called off to go in the main grandstand for a couple of points, is what we used to do in the old clubhouse after. Yeah, the old clubhouse, yeah. We used to go. The Newcastle reserve hooker was practicing his throw-ins to um, the, the, a couple of the, their players, and obviously with this being pre-COVID, and I had some homebrew. I said, "Here, mate, try some of this," and he did. And he, he just basically started coughing and said, "Oh my god, what is that?" So that was quite funny as well. Can't, you can't. One of those things. I think it had strong to be to a northerner and expecting it just to go down easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jim, any, any, uh, any. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to recall a time where you and I were up north in Newcastle. Oh yeah, and they had a bit of I don't know whether it was pre-match or half-time um, entertainment, and uh, basically I, you you got to win some Falcons merchandise. Oh, um, is this the, is this is this the catching the ball thing? So Flash the Falcon ah um, put up a an up and under. And um, one supporter from each side had to catch said up and under, um, and it was best of five or three or whatever it was. Best of three, um, if I remember correctly, Jim. Yeah, yeah. best of three. And uh, the winner, you know, I think it was a match ball. It was a signed Johnny Wilkinson match ball. Which, you know, probably worth a couple of quid. 2002, this would have been. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do recall, and... You got yourself picked, didn't you, Ed? And so out you I went. I did. I did because uh, I think because down... it was Newcastle, there weren't many kids from Gloucester. There was only I think maybe one or two. I think I literally was the youngest person there at the age of seventeen. You did put your hand up and jump. I did put off. my hand up. You know, let's be honest. It was a... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it wasn't like it wasn't like crowd cam picking. Oh, there it is. Let's pick him. No, it was me, me, please. So uh, so down you went, and I think you were you were competing against. Someone of similar age. It wasn't no. like we were competing against. No, I'd like to think it was someone of similar age. I reckon he couldn't have been older than twelve. Um, and uh, and so I can't. Who went first, Ed? Can you remember who went first? I went first because Flash decided to launch it about forty feet away from me. Um, yeah. So you yeah. put in the most almighty sprint, like the fullback that's trying to just catch it on the on the hoof to call a mark. And fair play. You got there, you caught it, and I was like, here we go. And then Flash put, well, it probably wouldn't have even been over the crossbar, would it, if he was uh, going for a I mean, crossbar challenge. It was a very, very easy catch for said other. And um, and so it went on. You were given the most almighty Hail Marys to try and catch, <laughs> um, which you did. And uh, this uh, Newcastle supporter got some incredibly... Uh, easy 
kicks to uh, retrieve. And uh, and then you ended up winning the Falcons match ball, which was clearly not part of their game plan. No, because they never gave it to me. Well, they never gave it to me, Jim. I never (laughs) received the signed Johnny Wilkinson match ball, ever. Honestly, 100% true. I'd have sent him an email now. I mean, I've I've often thought it. I've often thought this. You know, that could have been worth at least... Ten pound. Um, the <laughs> twenty pound like a year just, after. Yeah, with, look, with the, the, se- with the season face, we're yeah. having at the moment, though, they're likely to send it you with a note saying it's the only thing you're, you're, you're going to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. I just remember Ed as you came back into the uh, into the stand behind the posts there. The smile on your face—you were just chuffed a bit. <laughs> um, you'd, you know, you pissed off the locals because you'd proved that you were better at running around a rugby pitch than they were. And uh, stop some poor kid who probably did end up with the. Ball he did end up getting anyway. that thing anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was that was that was a nice day, and I think we probably won the game. We did win that game, and that gym was the game we were talking about the other day about was that uh, the Henry Paul, the Henry final, Paul one. Yeah, yeah. Final. We, uh, yeah. We, we were we were talking about this because um, uh, it, I think we've mentioned it before, where Gloucester played Newcastle away, and it was the same game, um, and Johnny Wilkinson had a penalty in front of the posts. I mean, literally, and the touch judges the were just looking at each other, chatting away. Chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was about any attention at all to the. It was at least it, it was at least two yards wide, at least two yards wide. Everyone behind the goal in the Gloucester fans were cheering. Way! The next thing, you know, flags go up, and I, I thought, I thought someone was going to get killed. There was, just, <laughs> it was, it was proper, proper heated. And then uh, Gloucester won with a last-minute uh, penalty from Henry Paul from about. 40 metres out, if my memory serves me right. Um, cue, cue pandemonium, because we never really, I mean, even now we don't really win up there very often. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was good. My 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 two funny experience, funny moments uh, with Gloucester, one of them we kind of touched on before, so we won't go into too much detail, but that would be um, uh, Sharky being chucked out of Franklin's Gardens after um, <laughs> trying to antagonise the Gloucester supporters. Um, and a certain, uh, a certain Danny Rumble uh, thought it'd be great. Uh, was brilliant and jumped on his back or tried to ride him. This was um, the, was it a quarter final? It was the semi final game. It was the semi final against Sale in the Challenge Cup. One where yeah. Ludo. Oh, the one where Ludo fluffed the kick at the end. Yeah, on the post. Yeah. Um, there's that one, and then the other one, which would be uh, Jim. Unfortunately, you weren't with us, but it was uh, Russ mentioned it, which was a trip to Leon, and the. Tra- <laughs> The tram. I've never experienced anything <laughs> like it in my life. I mean, it was just absolute chaos. Like the Did French are known for their organisational ability. Just incredible, <laughs> absolutely incredible. I mean, to be fair, I was on the good tram because you guys, you guys, uh, you guys, you, we was there was five of us, and we were all trying to get on this bloody tram to get to the. It was, this is for the he- this was for the Heineken Cup final, Champions Cup final. Because we'd experienced this all the day before for the Challenge Cup, and it was just as chaotic. Well, that's why we just piled onto the first tram that came, regardless of what was that. Yeah, we just, yeah, yeah we had the sense. We're like fucking bowl, yeah. It was the yeah, way exactly. back was worse. Well, oh, the way things, back. Oh, the way back was horrific. Yeah, but it was well, the I, way there was bad enough because two people on the tram that me, Snowy, Wills, and Rush were on yeah. passed out. 
It was that crammed and hot. It was horrible. It was hot. It, it was, was crammed. It was. What I love was what I love there was the French health and safety as well. Where the one woman fainted, and they literally just dragged her off and fucking left her. <laughs> like <laughs> that stop. They're like that's that problem sorted. On we go. You know, it was only because they like they had to stop so someone who was with her could get off and make sure she was all right. But Jesus, it was fucking hot. It was hot. And uh, but the thing was, my experience was very different to yours. Because this was the farcical thing about this was um, that there, you guys were all in front of me, or I was at the back just trying to make sure everyone got on, and you all got on the you all got on the tram, and then I'm about to get on, and just, the doors just <laughs> shut, <laughs> and I'm on the other side of it. I'm like, oh for fuck's sake! So you boys bugger off. Anyway, not 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 realizing that there's a tram, an empty tram, brilliantly is behind it and that just pulls alongside doors right in front of me i open up i get on and if you ever you know when you go to a bus stop they sometimes have the sort of diagonally you know angled seats where you kind of just perch well i kind of started to perch on this there was a guy from new zealand who was stood sat next to me and we started to chat and next thing you know there's these two very attractive french girls who came onto the train tram and you know i'm a gentleman at heart so i decided to try and get up but as i did so one of them, I believe was the blonde one, um, said said something in French involving assez vous, assez vous. And I was like, okay, what? Next thing you know, I've got I've got a blonde girl perched on my right uh, my right knee. The Kiwi guy next to me has got his, uh, a brunette pit, uh, perched on his left. And they're just chatting away. And me and this Kiwi lad were just having the time of our lives. It was a fantastic trip to the... I, I think this is a good time to call this story out because it's you really funny it out, that it's all I'm happened not... and you were the only one on that tram. If and if you, you do, know, if you meanwhile, the message you sent us at the time, which Snowy had, to, which Snowy was the only one who could deal with because he was the only one who had a smartwatch at the time because <laughs> we, we were so rammed we couldn't get our phones out of our pocket. Pocket, So we revolved, he, he, re- he replied using his nose. <laughs> the, the auto text button that came up on his phone to you. I mean, oh, it's dear. just the yeah, same in between making up a story. Well, the, the, the best oh, thing about mate, him honestly, was we, you know, Ed goes on about this, but. In reality world, where we were, we were also <laughs> fucking sleep deprived because we decided to drive to the game, absolutely exhausted to the oh, point yeah, that, we that, must that, have that, annoyed. That, we must have annoyed everyone on that tram because the rest of us could not stop laughing at how this fucking like beeping noise sounded just like drop it like it's hot so everyone else in the stand (laughs) literally every tram had us going and just giggling away like little schoolboys. meanwhile ed's like you know once, we we one, didn't we didn't carry a lot of sleep into that trip, did we? If I'm gonna make recommendations, don't drive to Leon. Uh, the best thing about it was that was the first wasn't that the first game which was fucking dreadful as well. The first game was quite because that was the one where Ben yeah, Bottica fucked up the yeah. kick, wasn't it? When he was Harlequins. signing for the team. Yeah, Harlequins well. Montpellier. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, Ben Bottica decided to uh, get get his get his. Uh, Get his wind bonus in before he joined early. the team. Yeah, exactly. I've never driven through fog so bad in all my life as we went down by where the sun was on that motorway. Jesus, wet. Yeah, I, I mean, that was the worst thing for journey. you guys on that motorway. It certainly wasn't the worst thing about those motorway experiences for fucking me, was it? The thing, the thing it? which made me laugh, though, well, it didn't at the time, I was a little bit frustrated. <laughs> 
His head's going to me. He's going, oh, look, because I've driven from Gloucester to two, pretty much two thirds of the way there. He said, look, I'm nice and fresh still. You, you know, you've been driving for a long time. Should we change a bit? I'm like, I'm fine. I can keep going. If you want. No, no. The, the, the secret to long distance driving is to, is to pull over and change before, uh, and change drivers before you get to the tiredness stage. And, you know, fair comment to make. At which point, Ed gets in the car, drives for half hour, and goes, boys, I'm going to have to stop. I need to sleep. And we couldn't carry on going, because by that time, Ed, Ed had assured me he was absolutely fine and could get us there. No problem. Yeah, I'll drive the last leg. I'm fresh as a daisy. So I got on the piss with the rest of them. At which point, I could, I, with only Ed and myself, well, we're the only ones who weren't drinking at that stage, let alone the only ones on the insurance. Once I started drinking, it was down to Ed. Oh, we, bloody we, sleepy boy there decides he needs an hour and a half kip at the services. Well, we drank the entire way, so we were quite hammered when we got there early in the morning, and then we hired bicycles to, to cycle. <laughs> 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 we the goal-kicking competition on the inflatable oh. as well. I think I will say to the guys, on to everyone who, who listens on Twitter, Jim, I think, has seen, has, has seen this. Uh, there is a gold kicking competition that you could win. I can't remember what you could win. Um, something or other. And um, uh, yeah, I, I will. Uh, up stash, I, think. I think, yeah, I think it was. Or like free flights with Turkish Airlines or something. I'll, um, I'll dig it out and try and put it on, on Twitter because it is comical. It really I think is I've still got the videos of those gold kits because well, there is one it, where, you, yeah. you know, we've got it on video of you saying you are the best chance of kicking it and you probably put the worst <laughs> kick in. You know, bearing in mind there was me and Wills, the other prop, you know, I think yours was the worst. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, if, I'm nothing if not confident, let's be fair. Right, um, we're going to pause now. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about our favourite one-off chance and then we're going to have a little bit of a chat about the... Uh, the actual rugby news that's happened in the last week. Well, one thing I would say, Will, what we've discussed at the moment, you could set up a Facebook page, couldn't you? Could only happen at King's Own for all the moments and then just get people to comment on all their funny experiences True. as well. There's there's plenty of opportunities. And I could, I, I really do recommend anyone who's who does listen to us on Twitter, please do send in your uh, your funny moments too. Um, be delighted to see hear them and we will happily read them out as well right um actually before i do that i will read out one that i did get sent in uh, which i did think was quite good uh, i'm just going to dig that out as i speak to you so this is from martin irvine um or at modiman123 on twitter thank you very much for sending this in uh, back in the days when we stormed onto the pitch after the match to pat our heroes on the back i remember one of our few wins against bath i ran onto the pitch and went, went past chilcott saying hard luck he told me to fuck off. Always remember that. Uh, so <laughs> on that note, we'll uh, we'll move on to the next bit, which again was our favourite sort of one-off chance. And there's a few I can think of, and I'm sure there's a few others can think of as well. Right. Uh, as I said before, we're going to talk about our favourite one-off chance or just favourite little bits of shed or crowd magic in terms of the stuff they say um i'm going to go first on this one and then leave it with the guys just to talk about it at their leisure really so my favorite was a, an away trip up at uh, rotherham first time we played them i think um and maybe the week before only a couple of weeks before we'd signed andy gumbersole um and for, for a group of traveling supporters gloucester aren't really renowned for their witty uh, repartee so to speak it's kind of very basic but the ball I think Gummersall had one of his best games he scored a couple of tries he set up a couple of tries 
And uh, I always remember they, the, the, what was the Rotherham Shed, which had been taken over by the Gloucester fans. They started singing, and after all, we've got gum assault to the tune of Wonderwall, which never, ever got sung again. Like You'd think a, a song like that, you know, it's a, a fairly easy one to do. You get that in the shed and chant it. No, never saw it again. Despite Gummersall playing for, I think, another couple of years, two, three or four years longer, um, winning the World Cup and all the rest of it. Um, but I, I, one of my favourite moments. Um, guys, you go ahead with it. You you take it from there. He's fat, he's round, he can't get off the ground. Stuart Barnes. <laughs> 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 that, that always brought a smile to my face. And he, he'd often, before the game as well, he'd walk down in front of the shed. Um, and there was a, always a good bit of banter between Stuart, Stuart Barnes and the shed in those days. He's, unfortunately, he's completely lost the plot and he's an absolute pain in the ass to listen to these days. But... Back in the day, he wasn't too bad and he was quite yeah. entertaining. Do you remember when it was Terry Van Lure's last game? He had that jo- he got that jo- stupidly large Afro wig and he was doing the Terry Van Lure sidestep. <laughs> yeah, he, to be fair, at one point he loved those Are You Watching Stuart Barnes because he'd get it every time he walked across and he'd orchestrate and play along with it. But like Snow said, as as time went on, he just... I mean, it's true of all, both, all the scores by commentators they just don't seem yeah. to be as good anymore I think my favourite chant was Austin Healy just after he had his hair done <laughs> and just hearing the shed going wiggy wiggy and it, it you he uh, you could see he was trying not to be annoyed by it I don't know whether it was the champ, but he was having a shitter anyway. But he just got worse and worse. So he knocked yeah. the ball on. He spanked a couple of kicks out on the floor, out, out on the floor, sorry. So, of course, the chance just got more and well, more yeah. and more. He, and he, he played he, 10 that day, didn't he? Yeah. I think they'd had was, they, had, they had a penalty towards the end. They kicked from the corner and he kicked it uh, there, yeah. didn't he? And I think he could have. I think if they could have won the game if he'd have got it in the corner. Yeah. And so that was it. It just got even worse. <laughs> yeah. I think the other one I liked again. It's not so much the chant. It was the reaction. And to be fair, Philippe made this. So it was his return. When did it? Was it Montpellier? He went to manage. Bourguin. So we we had them in the Heineken, and when he came out. He obviously the, the shed started singing the French national anthem. So he comes over to the shed, round of applause, does the conducting. Then just as he starts walking off, you get a gloster, and it just starts off quietly and builds and builds till he gets halfway along, just turns around and goes shh like that. And <laughs> I just thought that was quite a funny one. Not not a one-off, but just one of those more memorable ones where there's just a bit of sense of humor in the shed. Like we said, we're not renowned for our one-offs, are we? <laughs> yeah, there, there, well, there was one which I can only think of. It wasn't a, a chant as such, but it was a, a witty comment, and it was the Barbarians were playing Ireland, and uh, some some wag shouted out uh, Tommy Bow when he, he didn't catch the ball, which he should have. And I bet you would have caught it if it was a potato. <laughs> I do remember that, and I remember also uh, Tommy Bow laughing as well, which is half. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. A lot of the time, it's the re- reaction. Isn't it? Jim, you got any? Uh, to be honest, no. I mean, th- there are hundreds if not thousands of things that people have shouted from the shed that have made me properly laugh out loud but usually I've been in that kind of a state (laughs) I have to remember it beyond the final whistle of the game Um, so I just think just the shed in general is is brilliant because it by and large when people are shouting 
it's not abuse. It's just a little bit of heckling. It's good humoured banter. Um, and much like the, the Healy situation, just trying to get one over the opposition. You know, they don't want to upset him particularly. They just want to put him off his stride and, you know, be the 16th man for... Oh, I don't know. I think we were quite... Tr- I haven't been there in the shed that day when we, we, when we were doing the wiggy. We were out to upset him because it was funny the way you were going yeah, to smell Not at long term, you know, not, not making <laughs> yeah, no, him cry. Mean, not to scar well, for life. Hang on a minute. Every time you came down King John for the next 10 years, I heard people go, wiggy, to him. So we like, probably <laughs> should take this moment to say that hair loss is a very serious condition. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're in denial about it. I think the other one, like the Wiggy one, that stuck for a while was it was blowers. That was another one. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was for a while. I'm still say it now. It was one. It was just. <laughs> it's one of those ones that it, you had to be there. It was, you know, because it was. Wasn't it when they first like the the assistant ref? There'd been an offence, and <laughs> yeah. he was playing for Northampton, and they couldn't name it. And just literally everyone in the shed, you could it see was it. Like he stamped. <laughs> I think that was rusty when he started. I think that it probably one. was. Someone Wester, was yeah. literally all you could hear was it was blowers. It was bad, but it went on and on for months. It was on like shed web and stuff for ages. And like Snowy said, like, every now and then you still hear. Area. Yeah, the other classic is that don't let the last one play on your mind too much. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. of course, Kenny Logan with Eeyore, because that's well, how it started. I mean, the, one of the funniest, it's one of the funniest games I've ever watched uh, in terms of an opposition player just have an absolute meltdown. Kenny Logan. Yeah. Oh, yeah just... and, and he always, after, like every game before that and every game after that, he was excellent. I never ever saw him have another bad game against Gloucester. But that one game, it was just, it was painful at times because everything he did went wrong. But it wasn't just that he was doing things wrong. It was just Simbad was just turning him inside out as well, I think, on the wing. I'm sure it was against Simbad. And it was one of his earlier games where he just, everything Simbad did went right. Everything Logan did just went. To the point, I think he was even laughing about it by the end. Well, when, but, when someone shouts out from the shed, or oh, I bet Gabby could have kicked that better, or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's like you can't help. And it's it's great when you when you kind of know a little bit about a person, so you you know, and they've got a famous other half or whatever, and you can properly sort of get on top of them in that regard. It's that's the good-natured banter of the shed, isn't it? Yeah, especially if you if you if you're not um, going personal with it as well, but delving into personal life, just making the comment, "Oh, I bet you missus would have kicked that," or something along the lines of that. Is that 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 fair game yeah. for me, that? Well, I mean, funnily enough, that, that that came on to another one. I'm just thinking about now. You talk about um, one-offs and stuff. I think it was the first game after Mike Tyndall had proposed to Zara Phillips, and I think he was a water boy. I've got a feeling he was a water boy. And he uh, that game, and he came, he, he kind of ran on uh, about midway through the first half, and the shed started singing "God Save the Queen," which I thought was very good. Um, yeah, I mean, there are some there are some crackers. Obviously, there's the, the and then the the all time, probably the all time favorite, all time great one. Uh, just for I think because of the sheer amount of feeling behind it was, are you watching Rob Andrew? Yes. Um, yeah, I've never ever experienced an atmosphere. At King's Home, in terms of it was quite febrile. It was very it, you could tell people were quite angry and upset about that whole incident and that whole affair. Um, well, we were all we basically every Gloucester supporter was was told that they were a racist, pretty much, yeah, weren't yeah. they? 
Yeah, you pretty know. much. I, I just, I, I've never known a collective hatred so much. You could actually feel in the atmosphere hatred towards Rob Andrew as well. I've never experienced anything like that in my life before. And one of my favorite, one of my favorite moments ever at Gloucester was when Walkinshaw came over to the shed before a game <laughs> a few weeks later, and he had he had masterminded a fifty-page report of something to that to that effect. Yeah, to basically go at Rob Andrew saying it was all completely out of order, and the, the way he sort of G'd up the shed to get behind it, and everything was just superb. And then it was oh, uh, no, the classic Walkinshaw was he came out. Remember when they were talking about doing the grandstand before it actually got well, built? Never and they cut the things. He said, turned around and said to the shed, and he pointed to the grandstand, Take a good look at this. Yeah, I'm never gonna see it again. And we saw it for the next three years, basically, <laughs> until they finally knocked it down in 2000. I didn't, I didn't, know, I didn't know Tom Walkinshaw was Italian, but um, the... <laughs> <laughs> you remember when they put, that temporary, they put that temporary stand up. Behind the one end, didn't they? And called it the build base. <laughs> oh, well, the, temporary, the temporary, yeah, the temporary <laughs> yeah, build base. Temporary. But no, that wall, that Walkinshaw one, the, when he went on the pitch uh, against Newcastle, uh, and he'd, um, yeah, because the, the 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 crescendo of that speech, and he really was, he was geeing up everybody, and he was saying all this stuff, and then he got to the end, and he said, "And Rob Andrew will be banned from King's Home," and I think it even Bad got it, you, yeah. you didn't even hear from King's Home, it was just yeah, banned. Yeah. And the place went absolutely yeah. bonkers. I mean, as, as, as terms of, you know, sheer cathartism, was that game as well, where we absolutely pasted them? Well, yeah, well. Like 70 it's, odd it, something. It's up there with the Bath game for me, for all the reasons we said. Like, and it just, it was one of those games where nothing went, could, everything we did went right. The, from the try to Vicks on the sidelines, we dance around half the team in the corner (laughs) that try where Bime switches it to you know there were just so many good moments in that game and I think you could see it was one of those ones where I think as fans you felt connected to the team because you could see it meant a lot to them as well yeah yeah I mean and um, that's the thing when you when you go back into those these that era um, sort of early 2000s to mid 2000s there were a lot of moments I think probably the most of them where they stick out um Maybe, maybe the, the new grandstand has kind of taken that away a little bit. Um, I don't know. Just it, it, you don't seem to have that connection as much. You know, you don't have that. You're not on top of the players. You, you where they could definitely hear everything you were saying. Um, so you know, it's um, it, it's pretty. It's 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 something. Hopefully, with the crowd, when the crowd gets back, um, we'll start to hear a bit few few more of those, and you'll probably. Uh, Start to have to write them down, guys. Let's keep making make note of them. You just realise actually how little that stadium really has had done to it because that grandstand opened in two thousand seven. What will be in the this September fourteen mm. years ago, and since then we've put a couple of big screens, well three big screens up, um, and tarmacked over an old car uh, over an old car garage. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and the, so floodlights. The, flood, the floodlights that came with the grandstand basically, didn't they? So yeah. Yeah, um, well, we're now going to move on. Um, thanks, guys, for that. I, I really enjoyed that. And we're going to continue doing this sort of thing next week because there's no rugby next week as well. Uh, but we're going to move on now to um, a, a, a topic that we raised last week. Uh, and it's, funny enough, got back in the news again, and that's relegation. It does appear that uh, relegation is going to be suspended for this season. They haven't announced it formally. Uh, the expectation is that there will definitely be 13 teams uh, with Saracens being just automatically promoted back up. Um, but there might be an extension of 14 teams, including Ealing. And um, I suppose actually the, the, 
point to make is Ealing beat Saracens at the weekend. Did anybody see? I saw some of the highlights. Did anybody else catch any of it? Or was it was it on uh, Sky? Was it? I think it was on a. It was on YouTube. I think Ealing put it on YouTube, and then oh, uh, I've right. seen no, stuff I'd have on YouTube. No, I watched it sometimes. if um, if I'd have realised because. I didn't know I if missed, it was live. I, I saw, I saw the highlights. Yeah, but... It was basically none of the first string Saracens players, though. I think there was Billy, Billy Vanapola. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But don't, that doesn't matter. Saracens got beaten. They're going to be lucky to finish top half the table. And, um, <laughs> you know, if they decide to go to 13, it'll be Ealing, surely. Yeah. I guess, I think, I guess yeah. they'll go to 14 if Ealing finish top. They'll go to 13 if Saracens finish top. Is that how it's going to be? I would suspect he'll probably go to 14 no matter what. That, yeah, it that's won't matter my, where that, Saracens finish. Yeah, that's my I, gut I feeling. I think I'd think laugh be... about Ealing more if we were in a bad position, to be honest. It just... Well, St. Quentin was saying about how it would be a good thing to have 13 teams because in an article because you'd have two two off weeks during the season that way. No, in Gloucester's yeah. luck, it'd be the first and last week, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, we've had one of the best weeks in our history. We've avoided relegation. We've qualified for the latter stages of the European Cup, and we've also gone unbeaten for a week. That's true. That's true. And we'll move on to the the European yeah, clean sheet. Clean sheet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, didn't score many points. But the um, uh, the European rugby, it looks like it, well, the, the games that were suspended. So the Ulster game, which was supposed to be this weekend, and the Lyon game, which is supposed to be next weekend, um, were postponed, but now apparently have been cancelled. So those games are done. We're not planning to play those anymore. Uh, and there's going to be an expectation in the next couple of weeks where they're going to announce the next stage of the competition. Um, Gloucester currently are in eighth in the group of whatever, 12. And there's, we look like we might end up playing Leinster <laughs> in, the, in, the last 16, in the last 16. <laughs> they're um, way past their best. This is our best yeah. chance ever. Yeah. 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 I could, I'd take that as a, you know, Finishing bottom, but no relegation and winning the Heineken Cup. I would take that. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a Gloucester season. You could see it happening. I think so. No, you couldn't, Russ. No, you couldn't. I'm being caught away by the fact we haven't had to be negative. What I did think, we didn't touch on on the relegation, someone made a good point is that what you don't want to do is if relegation is scrapped, it would still be nice to not come bottom. So you don't have that constant, oh, you're only in here because they got binned off relegation because you know it'll just stick around like ages. Yeah, but do you, so it'd be do nice you, not I don't to recall have that, that being, that, that being to, to Sarah's back in the 90s. I don't recall that. Well, I, don't, I don't necessarily think like Leicester technically would have finished bottom last year if it hadn't have been for no, Sarah's. No, I know. It is, and I don't it's necessarily just a point. think we were... Um, I think it's a point someone made that I just thought was worth discussing. Oh, that's fair Personally, yeah, yeah. I'd like us, if relegation's binned off, what oh, yeah, I'd like don't finish to bottom see would be nice. Yeah. Don't finish bottom yeah. would still be nice, but have oh, a yeah. go at trying out combos and some other new players. Well, Sorry, Jim. Yeah, well, exactly that, Russ, because, you know, we're in that position. We're, you know, we've got a, rel- we've got a lot of new 9-10 combinations, a lot of, you know, 10-12 combinations to, to, to try. So without the threat of relegation, that is an ideal um, testing ground, isn't it? For not worrying too much about points and league positions and just trying things out. But how many other teams would also, do you think, worry less about winning games well, you, and start they're, they're throwing any, the ball around a little bit differently? The only thing they've got rid of is relegation. There's no announcement on if playoffs and stuff are happening. So well, quite. Still and, and Heineken Cup play places. For. 
So that that's the thing, isn't it? You can stay all the pressures off. It is if you're in the bottom, but if you're only a few points off making the top four, as you said, Jim, a Heineken Cup place, you then can't really be a team like Gloucester and think, ah, fuck it, we'll just put the youngers and younguns out and see. But what I don't happens think it's about that. I mean, they talk they talk for years, haven't they, about ring fencing the Premiership because it will have a more expansive game. People won't be playing such a defensive game. It will, you know be a lot more of a spectacle the standard of rugby will improve but so it'd be, it would be interesting to see even in you know what's it going to be three quarters of a season whether I mean, that is good. actually the case if you had a few more Bath Newcastle games I think we'd all be in favour of it because let's be honest there have been some dire games haven't there so it would be nice to have a few more good games over oh what days. like the, the Bath the Bath Wasps game that's what he meant sorry it's been a few weeks for instance of Russism there we go <laughs> yeah there we go uh, but yeah that game I mean other than it involved Bath and it was nice that they lost but you know just to see a few you know teams have a go um, there was something you know I've seen some some article out saying that rugby is the worst it's ever been and it was at its peak like 18 months ago before they changed all the laws and stuff and there might be something in that because it hasn't been great has it but it would be interesting to see what happens if now the pressure's off of relegation I just think as long as there are Heineken cut places and stuff up for grabs and money involved it's going to be hard for some some teams are not going to think that way are they and I completely well, understand why we just had a season with, in essence, no relegation with the team being automatically relegated. And say for Bristol, who play that sort of rugby, you didn't really have any extra throw in the ball around, per se. Yeah. Was scoring points for fun, but everyone seemed to play their uh, under-12s against them towards the end of the season. Um, and you had those freak results where other teams had to play their academy lads just because of the fact we were having to play two games in a week because yeah. someone thought it was a clever idea to shoehorn the season in. Yeah, it's I mean, the law. The law changes we all think need to come, like been in the caterpillar and stuff. Things like that are what will make a difference more, won't they? But from and, a and just, perspective, it'd be nice not to be relegated. So yeah, yeah. and, and I think you know, it's, it's it's the tackling, isn't it? It's the looking after um, the head of of players. So they've had the, all the red cards, like you know, Sips got his red card in Munster and things like that. So right at the beginning, they went in crazy hard, didn't they, with the, the tackle? And I think I can definitely see him bringing in that similar sort of thing in um, with the ruck. We've seen um, Slater get his ban. I can see that being a lot more publicised, that the clean-out's got to be a lot better as well. So if we can protect the players, is it going to make for a, a better game? Maybe not, but it will certainly make for a safer game. And that can only be a good thing. The irony, Jim, is that um, a lot of the big hit, like a lot of the problems with the run and by weight, in no way uh, saying that they should bring this back, but I'm saying that one of the inadvertent byproducts of banning rucking in that, you know, you could use your feet in a ruck uh, to clear out was that, um, that people were then having to use their upper bodies. So heads and shoulders, et cetera, to clear players out from the ruck. Um, meaning that there's more players who are now going to realistic, realistically going to get injuries. Um, sort of, and um, yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, Snowy's just sent through something in the WhatsApp group, and I'll uh, come on to it in a second, which is our sort of average uh, points and uh, winning percentages. Um, but quickly going back to relegation, in the rugby paper, it sounds like the main driver for why relegation is now going to be suspended is uh, legal issues. And we kind of raised this a few weeks ago. Um, and it's basically the threat of um, 
lawsuit by clubs uh, if they were to get relegated due to the unfairness of the points being awarded. Um, despite Even though the fact, it was all agreed by them. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, despite the fact they all agreed it. Um, but that seems to be the main driver. Um, they, may well saying, have, they may well have all agreed it on the proviso that there's no relegation. True. And that, and that or the expectation that that wasn't announced. Yeah, true. Um, or, or they agreed to it, but they didn't agree to the really exact um, well, know, you amount of contractual. They yeah. probably, let's be honest, they probably all agreed to it till they did think it through and then realised how shit it was. Yeah, they'd or when it starts signed. having a negative impact on you, you're suddenly a bit bothered by it. Or you could be really cynical and they all agreed to it thinking, well, this will cause problems. I think the expectation, I suppose, as well is that, yes, they agreed oh, yeah. to all these COVID rules, um, but didn't expect COVID to be such a still around, yeah. maybe. That's, you know, maybe it's naive to think yeah. that, but that's probably oh, part let's, of let's it. Let's put something in and we won't worry about it because hopefully it won't be an issue. Yeah, to a point. Um, I mean, some going back to the European stuff. So Gloucester, apparent, well, I think there's a couple of a couple of possibilities. We, we might end up playing Leinster. Um, there's some possibility we would end up playing Leon um, again. Um, they, they haven't really announced what they're going to do, but it's kind of been sort of un, unofficially announced that they're definitely going to have like a last 16. Um, and Gloucester, uh, yeah, eighth in their pool. Um I mean, I suppose the question on this one is, if we do, say, for example, we do play Leinster um, and there is no relegation, let's say that, that's announced in the next couple of weeks and you've got this this opportunity, do you, surely the club should go over there and play our best team and have a go? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what Saris tried to do last year, wasn't it? They yeah. put their, they, they went for it. And I think, yeah, you, you've got, if there's a chance to win something, you can't it's control it's our only chance, no matter how far fetched it seems. Yeah, exactly, Lodge. You can't control the circumstances that put you in a situation to win something. In the same way, we got into the competition last year by benefiting from a, a COVID game. You've got to you've got to go with the hand you dealt with. So yeah, if if we're in that position, there's no risk of of relegation. For me, it's you you, you go all out and try and get something from the season. And to Why be honest, would you not? Even, even if there was relegation, I wouldn't be thinking, oh, we need to rest some players and play in the following week against a Premiership side. I'd be saying, we're in a knockout game of the Heineken Cup. Let's put our first 15 out, play, play the best game we possibly can, and then, assuming there's no injuries, play the same squad the next week for the Premiership game. Maybe a couple of you know, tweaks, but... That's kind of what you do, isn't it? You, yeah. you play your best available 15 every week. Well, there's there's another factor, because Ed said we could get Leon. So what you want is a French team away in every round and then refusing to let the English teams travel and we just work our way through the rounds, through, <laughs> you know, cancellations all the way, you know. Have a nice Simpsons default win. I'd, I'd take that as well, to be honest. Yeah, true, 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 true. Leon, yeah, uh, on the trophy. to lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so the, the final part of the pod is it's is is a very very surreal thing that happened at the weekend. Uh, one of our lovely Twitter followers um, <laughs> kind of referenced, um, well, we was basically saying, oh, you know, things you could do for these part these couple of weeks uh, while there's no rugby. And uh, uh, Chris, I think Lampi, who is as he, as he is on Twitter. 
mentioned that, uh, oh, maybe you should try and get in contact with Hugh Edwards because, you know, he's a rugby fan, although he likes the Scarlets. And I, you know, I, I using Twitter said, I think you might be overestimating our reach here in, in ability, only to find that Hugh Edwards actually responded, which is fairly surreal at the best of times. Now, if we did get Hugh Edwards, and please, Hugh, if you are listening, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a random podcast for a Welsh, uh, any Welsh rugby fan to listen to, isn't it? I know. Like, what? Uh, but if you know, it, what, what what would be our topics? So you know, he's current affairs, obviously, you know, very very trusted in the news. He's 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 the lead anchor of of BBC News. Uh, he does all the all the important events of funerals and weddings and stuff now these days. If we we're going to ask him one question, uh, what would your question be? Oh, good. So we've not touched politics with barge pole, and now we're all <laughs> getting around and asking what we are. I don't know. through Alton Moncrief's drop goal. <laughs> That's yeah. the correct answer, Loz. What is? What were your yeah. thoughts when you saw Elton Moncrief's drop goal banging off? Uh, was it Boobia? Boobia's back. Well, the other one is, can you give it, because all joking apart, Charlie State is from Gloucester, the BBC, so he presents Breakfast, and he's breakfast, a Gloucester yeah. fan, so he might he be a bit more of a realistic option. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you all, sort of a few months ago, after the Bath game, they were trying to get him to talk about it. And I have never seen a person not want to talk about a topic as much as he wanted to not talk about that. So... But yeah, the Alton Moncrief one would be a good one. Could you just get him to like do a voiceover commentary of that? Well, like Eddie Butler style. Well, well, all I can think of when I think of you, Edwards, is it was it John Coleshaw who used to do the impression where yes. it would cut, and I'm not attempting a Welsh accent where he'd do the newsism and go, "Well, that wouldn't happen in Wales, would it?" That's <laughs> that's literally all I can ever think of when I hear him on the news now. So any other, I mean, as we're talking about absolutely unrealistic and totally surreal guests we could have on the podcast, uh, who else, somebody else was suggested as well. And I thought, you've got to be joking. Um, anyway, um, who, anybody else that we think, if we're going to talk about Hugh Edwards, anybody else we want? We want Donald Trump? What's yeah, the latest with Mike Tindall? Because he said he was waiting for the call up before. Well, I offered, I, I, I've, sent a, I've sent a message to Mike. And uh, if you'd like to come back to us, uh, yeah. please What do. about Eddie Jones? I'd rather not. Yeah, but- Eddie, Eddie Jones, and we can ask Oh, yeah, because we, we've all spoke so highly of England at times. He's <laughs> going to jump at the chance, isn't he? Um, Nigel Owens was on Country File, so he's obviously now he's retiring after a bit of cash, and he is a farmer, so you know he might be falling on our times. Not to talk well, tell you what, we could offer him. Let's get in. Ed offers him a pint, not a bloody subsidy to his farming, no, farming business. Right, so. he, I mean, yeah, well, we've got like you know a fiver or whatever in the kitty of sponsorship. Yeah. Let's well, so you can, well, can have 100% of the advertising revenue for the week, <laughs> <laughs> which will end up being about 64 pence. Yeah, more or less. Snow, anybody, any suggestions, mate? Any, anyone you fancy, you know, say Donald Trump, you you know, he's your favourite. I'm trying try to think someone from the world of rugby who would be like, if you could have anyone from the world of rugby, who would you have on the podcast? Uh, yeah, on, that, that's on. alive. Um, <laughs> given how highly we spoke of him on the for his commentary skills, how about I get asking Brian more? <laughs> I think uh, do you know. I think if anyone absurd would do it, he's the sort because he, like I say, already he speaks quite highly of Gloucester. I'm sure he might speak highly of Gloucester, know. mate, but I don't think he'll speak highly of us. Anyway, oh yeah, so, I'm, go on, yeah, mate. Well, yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to think because if think of sort of like. 
the, the world's best rugby players that we've seen. Johnny Wilkerson is quite a boring interview. <laughs> um, if you've ever watched any documentaries about yeah, yeah. Johnny Wilkerson. Ooh, he, Jason what, about, what about the Honey Badger? Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. it. Someone, someone entertaining. Someone yeah, proper yeah. cool that's like him. What, yeah. what you need is someone from like that 95 Lions tour, don't you? Where they were amateur and then went professional. 97. Not, oh. Sorry, 97. Someone on that cusp. Um, of because they'd have stories that they'd probably be prepared to tell, or someone like Jason Leonard, someone that would be gold. He probably just Um, wouldn't care. Yeah, I'd go David Flatman because we could give him all the stick about Bath, but he's very entertaining and very sharp as well. I think he'd be good value. I think he'd probably outwit all of us, to be fair. Well, that's not hard. No, John Bentley from the 97 97 Lions, probably John Bentley. Yes, yeah. The thing is, of course, we're we're naming all these fantastic people who would we'd love to we'd love to get on the podcast. It ain't happening. I mean, there's no, no. way in a million years. I was surprised that Hugh Edwards knew, you know, had Twitter. To be honest, I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> was he, t- he tagged in it originally, or did he just yeah. come into it? He was tagged. tagged. Yeah, but you, yeah, he doesn't strike me as the sort who looks at his mentions or searches his well, name. That's the thing. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, when you're, you know, on the telly every single day. You would think someone like him would get mentioned on Twitter quite a lot. So you just have that kind of notification turned off and never respond to any of it rather than, you know, look at it all and then just block all the people that are giving you grief. He hasn't blocked us, which is a good sign, unlike other people. Um, <laughs> I imagine it was right place, right time. It probably just happened that he was looking at Twitter and we were it, top it, of the mentions at that time. He's like, Do I talk about this or do I talk about some other shit show in the news? Or here's well, a chance to have a cheap, like, plug and get a bit of a laugh. Or I could talk about, you know, politics, Trump, now nah, COVID, yeah. <laughs> he's idiot in Gloucester if it's all the same to you. Yeah, you think his at mention just happened to happen just as he was taking a shit and yeah. like, he sat there on the <laughs> <laughs> There's cool. a visual, isn't there? Hugh Edwards having a dump. Oh, Gloucester. Okay. Oh, I think he's listening to this, pod- this week's podcast just to see what it's like. I think we've just lost any chance. <laughs> what I like, well, Loz, is yeah. that you thought there was a chance for even like a couple of minutes that he might be thinking about. Hey, yeah. Come on, we've been talking about winning the Heineken Cup. So. <laughs> yeah. True. So yeah, no, so don't, uh, don't bring that back. Last week we were like, we don't want rugby to talk about. We're only a week in, and we're like, bring the uh, rugby back. No, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, actually, is there going to be any rugby next weekend? I mean, I know there's no um, Heineken Cup and there's no women's rugby, but what about championship? Is that carrying no, on? No, championship weekend? is not. No, because that wasn't even a championship that game. Was a friendly, wasn't it? it was, like it was a friendly. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't it was even a Pathfinders Cup, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, so it's Ealing basically playing Saracens and like one or two other players, clubs. But um, uh, one thing that is going to happen, hopefully, again, we're not entirely sure, but one thing we're, we're expecting to come back soon is the Six Nations. Um, and uh, what we will do is, but I think next week we'll have a chat about our favourite Six Nations games. Uh, we'll talk about some other things that you guys have sent through um, on Twitter and uh, on Shedweb and other social media, and we'll continue to talk about that. Um I think actually one of the things that we, we forgot to mention, which was a, uh, a a Toulouse a couple of years ago when there was a riot outside one of the hotels, um, uh, while uh, while a few people had a few too many drinks, uh, so trying to get to sleep during a riot after you've had a skin full of Grimberg, and it's probably not the easiest thing to do. Um, 
I didn't go to that one. Although Jim, actually, interestingly, this time last year, mate, we were in uh, we were in Toulouse. Yeah, yeah, that came up on the old, the old memories. Oh, the old Facebook memories. Yeah, yeah. I think about this time of night as well. I just returned from eating a uh, steak tartare, and um, <laughs> the steak tartare. Check the, it out. Yeah, the steak tartare <laughs> uh, got revenge very quickly, um, and, and and continued to get revenge from most that, of that night and most of the next happened, morning as well. That happened to me actually. I was in um, was in Belgium and went to a French restaurant in Belgium and had steak tartare. And um, it was beautiful, really, really nice. Sick as a dog. Yeah. Sick as a dog all night. And it I'll was, be honest, it wasn't Jim, the 14 it wasn't, it wasn't... pints of Belgian beer. It was clearly no, a mistake. I'll be honest with you, Jim. It, it was wasn't... Keepers, wasn't it? It, it wasn't... And I'll be honest, Jim, and for the audience, I apologise. It wasn't sick. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I apologise to the audience. That's bad. You have a habit of having... Didn't you have steak tartare when we were in La Rochelle and our challenge was we were all going to order in French and as certain member of our group i will save his name his way of um asking him french was to go i will have <laughs> and point at the menu the ham egg and chips because you know he'd obviously only ever watched hello hello as his influence <laughs> made to speak french because yeah, to be fair i think he's done him a bit of a disservice there mate because he definitely had a french accent when he was doing it yeah even more rude isn't it <laughs> yeah, that, that makes it yeah just just slightly better that's true yeah. i mean to be you, fair, you're keeping this in the anonymity now but you actually said that story before and told everyone's name as well so oh well sorry snow snowy's experiences in toulouse range from the sublime to the ridiculous don't they mate yeah i don't know how much of that we can share but um <laughs> 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 we or you? <laughs> I, I, I know uh, we've mentioned Danny Rumble on this show before, but me and him had uh, enjoyed an evening out, if that's what you can say about that evening. I don't know. I managed to get back to the hotel. Danny thought he couldn't find the hotel, so he slept in a bush, but it turned out that bush was directly outside the entrance <laughs> of the hotel. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh dear. Anyway, yeah. I mean, we just note, we reminisce because we just want to be able to do it again, don't we? Another twelve we months, and hopefully we'll yeah. be travelling we to Europe. We also reminisce because the present is just generally horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, rugby, non-rugby. Um, so hopefully, as, as Jim said, we, we we do hope hope that um, not that long we'll be back in the, the shed and the ground and watching Gloucester win. That'll be nice. Um, on that note, we're going to leave it there. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate your time again. Uh, we will, uh, for those on who are listening to this, uh, you would have already heard a few of us on uh, the Cummings County quiz on Radio Gloucestershire. An appalling effort by ourselves this morning. It really was bad. Uh, we're going to try we're and still uh, level. we're still level. Amazingly, uh, we're going to try and up the game and up the, and, and win this again for the the Gloucester, the, the downtrodden Gloucester supporters. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll speak again soon. Cheers, boys. Cheers. 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 Cheers, guys.